Welcome to my podcast, Musings of a Christian Philosopher, where we talk about deep and often challenging topics of theology and philosophy. I'm your host, Adam Polstra. Let's get started. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. What I've been thinking about lately is something that I have thought about for many years in the past, and for various reasons it started to come back to mind in a reframed manner. And that topic is pride. Pride versus humility, sure, but pride in particular. Like humility, I think that pride is something that is very ill-defined. We try to wrap it up in simple terms like, oh, you have a very high opinion of yourself. You think you're all that in a bag of chips. You think you're the best. And while that might be at least somewhat of a good guideline, I think it is actually quite misleading as to what the nature of pride really is. One of the hints that I got early on as to the real nature of pride was the relationship, if you can call it that, between Jesus and the Pharisees. C.S. Lewis pointed out that pride is offended by nothing more than other pride. And I realized that I disagreed with him on this point. Pretty rare. I admire Lewis. Because what I saw is that while the Pharisees got along with each other, uh, probably reasonably well, the one they really didn't get along with was Jesus. And why was that? Because he claimed to be the Son of God? Sometimes. Because he taught with authority? Because he knew what he was talking about? Because he exposed them for who they were? All of that, sure. But I think what really chafed them is that Jesus was confident. Jesus knew who he was. Jesus did all of the things that he did, teaching, rebuking, correcting, healing, without any fluff. He didn't have to show off. He didn't have to be in the middle of the crowd shouting. People came to him of their own free will. Pharisees had to go out and stand on pedestals and shout. What I think really got under the Pharisees' grills long before they came up with any of their religious rhetoric to try to disagree with him and call him bad or something like that is the fact that they were jealous And what I noticed is that what pride really hates is the reality of what it tries to be. Pride is the facade of confidence, as I think I've said in the podcast before. So when it sees real confidence, it wants to destroy it. Why? Because when you see the real thing, the forfeit, the fake, is revealed in all of its real nature. You can see the fake far better when you see the real thing right next to it. They didn't want to get exposed, in my opinion. Now, what I've been thinking about more lately is more deep down on that fact. Pride being a facade of confidence. Well, if it is a facade, then what is the truth deep down? What is going on in the hearts of those who have to put up a mask of their great competence, their fine ability, and their wonderful intelligence. What's really going on? 
deep down they know, though they will not admit it even to themselves, that it is absolutely false. And I can say that with knowledge because I've been there too. Probably all of us have in various areas. We won't admit it to ourselves because to admit it to ourselves is to have to do the opposite. It is to have to admit that we were wrong, to admit that we've been idiots, to admit that we were putting on a bunch of fluff and behind it was emptiness. So what really hides behind the proud is deep and abiding insecurity. So what I wanted to talk about today is the two sides of pride. And this for me is reaching even further back, but with a new emphasis. I have actually written a book. It's called The Art of Balance. And in it, I pointed out that false humility is just as much pride as pride. At the time, it was a fairly nuanced concept. And I think even talking about it today will still be shocked to the systems of some. False humility, C.S. Lewis also being the one to point out, is a method of being self-focused, just like pride. If you're proud, you're trying to show everybody how great you are. If you have false humility, you're trying to show people how humble you are. How good you are at self-deprecation. How modest and self-forgetful or whatever. The whole point is to show off. The whole point is to get people's eyes on you. To get people to think that you're great. Now, there's an additional problem. Both arrogant pride and self-deprecating pride, or false humility, does it actually achieve its goal? And this is what's been nuanced for me. The answer is no. Now, those things will succeed with some people. But if you are healthy, sane, intelligent, moral, and you're encountering people like this, it doesn't work at all. The more they do these sorts of things, the less you want to be around them. So let's observe some of the things that proud people actually do. The first and, of course, most obvious form is, oh, I could do so much better. Oh, I'm qualified. I can be the one to answer that. Elon Musk, he's making so many mistakes. Donald Trump, what a loser. That pastor who's been helping people in their lives and giving them this fantastic advice, I could do way better. What is that? It reminds me of a story of a communist dictator who was asking another communist how he could manage his society, his country. And this man went out into the field and he took every blade of grass that was any taller than the rest of the blades of grass, sliced it off. In other words, what he was showing this man, this communist who wanted to control his people, is that the way to control your people is to let there be no standouts. Let nobody be exceptional. Let nobody have meritocracy. Let nobody be excellent. You must cut them all down artificially if necessary so that they're all the same, all on the same level. 
what the arrogant person is actually doing is they are making themselves seem better, at least in their own eyes, by cutting others down. They try to call others idiots, ignorant, criticize and critique them in order to make themselves look better. Of course. Now what happens when you point this out to an arrogant person? Oh, and by the way, before I move on to that, there's a lot of other things that they will do to try to cut people down. For example, they're in a group and one person, perhaps the leader, perhaps just somebody in the conversation says something very sharp, something very intelligent. What they will do is they will listen to what you did not say, find a way to disagree with it, find a way to make your argument that you didn't even say, but they won't admit that fact, look stupid. Why? So that they appear to be the smart one. It's just the same thing in a different frame. Anytime you see somebody tearing down another for the sole purpose of becoming the focus, not to help them, not to guide them towards light, guide them towards morality and improvements, but simply getting the focus on them, taking over the conversation, that's just plain arrogance. Now let's say, once again, as I was saying earlier, that such a person is faced with what they have done. Now you're going to get one of two responses. And this is where false humility breaks in, but we won't go straight there yet. The first thing that they will do, the first and more likely thing that they will do that is, if you are on level footing, in power, if they don't really have much reason to submit to you in the area of power, is they will try to tear you down much harder. In other words, typically what they're going to do is they're going to try to make you feel terrible for being the one to bring up the fact that they were just being a pompous ass. How dare you? I would never! Etc., etc. They want you to attack yourself with conscience. And yet again, what they are doing is they are making sure that they continue to look like the big man on campus. Or woman. I've, I've experienced it from both, in fact. They want to be on top. They want to be the ones who are calling the shots. They want to be the ones with the reins in the room. Now, the other reaction that a proud person can have is self-deprecation. And again, this specifically particularly happens when they have been corrected by somebody who actually has authority and power. Maybe they are the leader of the group. Sometimes they can even be that and still be disrespected. Maybe they are an actual authority, a policeman, a politician, a fireman, a teacher. Oh, woe is me. I'm so terrible. I can't believe that I did what I did. I'm so useless. I'm so terrible. I'm so ugly. What are they doing? We just went through it earlier. They're still focusing the attention on themselves. Now, how is it that they are continuing to look like the big one? If one of the aspects of pride is to look like the best person in the room, to cut others down, to do whatever they can to be the center, to be seen as the best. Well, this is largely religious. And by the way, in my opinion, you will hardly find these kinds of things more often than among, among religious groups. But especially among Christians, 
this whole idea of putting yourself down as a virtue is largely among churches. So when they put themselves down, when they call themselves names, when they attack themselves, what they are actually doing is continuing to try to look like the best person in the room. I'm the best at admitting my wrong and condemning myself for what I've done. Look at me. I'm so good at being religious. I'm so good at being humble. Now there's another theme of all three of these actions, all three types, and it is attack. Proud people are always attacking. They attack some abstract idea of another person, someone successful like Musk or Trump. Or they attack you. Or they attack themselves. And there is a third theme. In all of their activities, what they are actually doing, and this is going back to when I said they don't actually succeed at their goal, they make sure to chase away reasonable people, humble people, moral people, good people. Why? Because good people know it's a mask. Good people know it's a show. It's religious theater. Why would we want to have anything to do with that? Why would we want to be regularly around the kind of person who, the moment they see that they did something wrong, if they submit, they're just going to attack themselves like they're some animal that needs to be tamed? Or they try to make you feel bad for trying to help them. What they are doing is they are making sure that the kind of people who remain around them are only of two kinds. Either the ones who kowtow to them, the ones who allow the arrogant and proud person to control them, or the kind of person who's in on the game, a fellow predator. Somebody who with them is going to continue to bash down the ones who are willing to submit. And submit, really, since I understand the scriptures, is not the best word. What would be a better word? To subjugate themselves. To the greatness of the arrogant. They are sifting people and making sure that the only ones around them are weak. Like themselves. In one of two ways. The self-subjugators or the fellow predators. The ones who can only really, really feel good about themselves when they eat others. That's weakness. That's starvation. So now, having gone through all of this, here is the real core of what pride actually is. Pride says, I can do it myself. I don't need other people's praise. I can lift myself up. 
I don't need other people's critique. I am the one who's right. You're the one who's wrong. If you critique me, you have to be wrong. I don't need help with repentance. I'm perfectly fine deprecating myself. I'm perfectly fine putting myself down. I'm perfectly fine being humble. I don't need your help. I don't actually need to apologize to you. And you'll notice that this is a common theme as well. No matter how much they put themselves down, they're probably not going to turn to you and say, I'm sorry. It is enough in their own minds to put themselves down lower than the dirt. I can do it myself. I'm sufficient as I am. I have a degree, so I don't need to learn anymore. I understand morality, so I don't need anybody to correct me morally anymore. I am competent. I am intelligent. For anybody else to correct me in my thoughts is an infraction and a sin. I can do it myself, says good people stay away. Good people who actually desire to help me, to correct me, to show me my arrogance, must remain at arm's length, if not yards away. If they invited genuinely good people into their lives, the facade would be exposed. That's why they're vested in keeping it that way. So what pride does, the fruit of pride, if you will, is stagnation. It is stuckness. It is repetition. It is the incapacity to learn. It is the resistance to correction. Stagnation is perhaps the best word for what pride does to a person. So you see, humility, by contrast, is not this idea of self-deprecation. Humility is childlikeness. Humility is openness. Humility is curiosity. Humility is the capacity to admit that you've done wrong. Humility is also the capacity to admit that you can do better. Humility is adaptability, strength, and the capacity to grow. Humble people are confident because they do not need the facade of uh, confidence that is pride to feel good about themselves. That whole world has been left behind. They can, with open and curious eyes, childlike demeanors, continue to face the truth with intense curiosity, with joy and fascination, and even when things get difficult, when they do face correction, by definition, as opposed to the proud, they will apologize. They will admit their own fault. It is perfectly fine and even desirable to notice when they have been inadequate, when they have done wrong, when they can do better, because that means they can do better. If they have no self-justification to defend, then they are free to grow. And see, that is the reason why humility has nothing to do with self-deprecation. Humility being freedom and joy, curiosity, leaps right over 
And I don't mean without going through the process of apology, but it leaps right over this, this mire of guilt and self-attack for the excitement of growth, for the joy of increase. And that is how we know that Jesus was genuinely humble. That is how we know that Moses became humble through the course of his life. Because they kept moving forward. Jesus didn't need to be morally improved, but he continued morally improving others. Moses, the man who at first killed an Egyptian out of his own sense of justice, bowed down before the Lord for the sake of those who did him wrong so that the punishment might not be that severe. Humble people, really humble people, are the strongest people you'll ever meet. Proud people, their behavior is formulaic. You always know exactly what they're going to do you know what they're going to say. Now, that is not to say, I do not mean to say, that you can predict their specific words or their specific actions. The point is, you know what they're after, and you know, as a result, more or less, generally speaking, what they're going to do. It's like politicians. Where I'm at in time right now, just yesterday, we had the second GOP debate in the race where Trump is already clearly winning and didn't even bother to attend. Now, whatever your political points of view is not my point. My point is here that everybody in that debate was predictable. You knew exactly what they were going to say. Again, not in particulars, but in general. You knew the kind of mood that they would have. The winner was Trump. And that's the going consensus at the moment. With not just people who support Trump, but people who are vehemently against Trump. Why? Because it was boring. It was boring. And that is what it is like to be among the intellectuals who have all of the lingo and are so impressed with themselves and pat each other on the back with all this fluff and impressing sounding rhetoric that means nothing to anyone of any substance. Or the religious groups who pat themselves on the back like the Pharisees did for all of their righteousness and all the wonderful things that they're doing for the world, quote unquote. The people who believe themselves to be the best are the most predictable people in the world. And they are so boring. If you want excitement, if you want joy, if you want life, and more life, and growth, and learning, find the humble. But the final thing that I want to bring to bear is that there is a great deal of pity, I think, that should be had for the arrogant. 
for so many of them, the reason why they have set up this facade around themselves of their own confidence, of their own ability, their own competence, when they do not have it, is because, in many cases, they had no other choice. Now, I don't mean that they were forced to do it. They themselves chose to hold on to the pride, and that is their fault. But pride, like I said earlier, has that theme of attack. Why does it attack, attack, attack? Because there's only two ways to defend yourself, to submit or to get aggressive. You either sulk and skulk underneath the power of attack, or you learn to fight back. Pride reproduces itself, or produces people who have no confidence in themselves whatsoever, the absolute rubber bones of society. Those who are automatically going to go for the false humility rather than the pride. Proud people, perhaps always, are harboring deep pain in their past. Now, yes, getting past that and getting to their childhood does mean tearing down their pride. And that is not a question of how we affect them. That is a question of what they choose to do when somebody comes into their lives actually being willing to try to help. Either their pride rises up and fights back to no end until they either flee or actually get physically aggressive and push you away. Or, if there is any hint of humility in them, they might just admit that they were wrong. So I'm not saying that they deserve people's help. What I'm saying is that they do need it. They need it. It's up to them whether or not they're going to accept it, but they do need it. So have some sympathy for the proud, but don't let them jerk you around. To let them jerk you around is to submit to someone who is qualitatively lesser than you. Why? Because all they're doing is putting a big old mask over a gaping wound. Do not let somebody who is beneath you step on your head. That is not good for them or you. So, I hope that's a lot of good stuff to think about. Till next time.